Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week's episode takes us back to Munich in March this year when I spoke to Natasa Papa, editor and creative director of Desired Landscapes magazine. This is the last of our conversations recorded at the Edge Conference in Munich, and you'll hear us standing sheltering from the rain outside the lovely conference venue where Natasa had just presented her magazine about cities and the people who love them. Natasa grew up in Athens and she lives there now, but she explains how the idea for Desired Landscapes came when she was working as a designer in Rotterdam, which she describes as a very strict and rigid city, and she realised she wanted to apply the Dutch, very process-driven, efficient approach to the world to the romance and chaos that she saw in Athens. It's important to emphasise that this book-like magazine is inspired by travel guides, but it's not a travel guide, and it's actually doing something much more whimsical and interesting than that. We invited her over to speak in Munich because this is a particularly strange and lovely little magazine, and I got a lot from hearing her speak about it, so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Natasa Papa from Desired Landscapes. Hey, Natasha, thank you very much for coming and joining me in the cold outside. <laughs> thank you for the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great invitation. So uh, you are the woman behind Desired Landscapes. First of all, tell us, what, what is Desired Landscapes? Uh, Desired Landscapes is a collection of uh, places that we would like to live or visit or dream, maybe. So some of them can be fictional. So it's a very nice excuse to think positively about cities and learn from other people who enjoy them. And how do you end up making such a distinctive magazine about cities? Because this is, I think it's worth saying, like, this is not a travel guide. No, this is not a travel guide, yeah. On the same time, I don't know how to define it. So maybe it's a way uh, to show different perspectives, to explore cities, to read cities. So city is actually text for us. And another question is how you translate this text into graphic design, photography, without actually spoiling the secrets of the city, in a sense. Because, of course, cities are full of text. Like, the, the, there's lots of text all around us now like looking around here and all of that text is set in a particular way so you're looking at the typography and that's how you ended up coming into this whole idea yes this was the starting point however even every sign has a history behind it so if you start talking to the shopkeepers about the sign they can tell you about their father that was in the 60s blah blah so you learn the oral history of a space of a place and it's very very interesting and so it's worth saying you're based in Athens. You were in the Netherlands when I think this all kind of like started out. So how, how did that distance from your home affect what you were doing? Yes, nostalgia in the beginning. So <laughs> of course, I couldn't stay far away from my home for a long time. But at the same time, I feel that every city is unique. So you have to embrace that and keep these identities because now every city tends to be the same. We have these identifications, we have the Airbnb experience, so we have IKEA furniture. So whenever you go, you have to find your own bubble of your own city. And it's a pity because they have so much much more to offer. And at that point, when I realized this uniqueness of cities, I also saw this class of cultures. So I I was a designer in Rotterdam and they asked me to design things for a very strict and rigid city and I couldn't really get it. I mean, I had my Athenian perspective, I couldn't escape that. 
and some people liked it, so they wanted this nice uh, spontaneous uh, touch. But then I thought, why don't I bring all these uh, elements, this new expertise, because of course Netherlands is all about um, methods and productivity and effectiveness, and this is what we miss in Greece. So I wanted to bring that new knowledge into a place that has a lot of space for um, improvements. So, for example, this project that I did in Athens about the mapping of the Athenian arcades, uh, it's very um, interesting, a lame word, but it's interesting to see how five years ago people avoided the arcades, while now they find it hip somehow. So they want to go there to find the old bars and remake them. You have uh, there's a site that today is an Airbnb sightseeing site. So um, this whole change happened. And it's nice to see your city regenerated somehow, up to a certain level, of course. <laughs> and, and so the, this is a, a project that you came back to Athens and you applied these things you'd learned in the Netherlands to the city that you saw around you. But then that's still a long way from actually making a whole magazine about cities. So, so what, was, what was that project not quite doing that, that made you still want to go ahead and do this next thing? Um, because Athens can be very limiting, which means that uh, we're just a bunch of people who are into design or magazines or whatever. So um, I missed this uh, mentorship, I missed this inspiration from outside, so I wanted to travel and some sometimes I couldn't travel because of financial issues or because I didn't have time, you know how these things go. So I wanted to find a window to the world. And through these uh, walking tours that are run in Athens, I met all these foreign people from different countries and cities, and I saw how they reflected on Athens from their own perspectives. And I found Athen other Athens, Athenses, in different places in the world. So I like this contrast between the cities, and I like these um, different perspectives. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring it all in a magazine, because when you have it in a printed medium, it's very apparent what is happening. So when you get to the first issue, you may read about Athens and then read about, I don't know, Hong Kong and see how similar they are in some cases. Because the magazine doesn't even just go between different geographical places, it goes between different temporal spaces as well. So there's a, a totally fascinating piece um, about the travellers in the, was it the Enlightenment? It was who the 15th century, yes, 15th century. So we found, uh, actually I've been to an exhibition in Athens about uh, from a collector. He has around, I don't know, 15,000 uh, guidebooks, chronicles, this is how they were called back then. And it was all about uh, how you um, translate the experience of the city into a written medium, into a book or a map. And there you could see some um, discretion somehow. So people may haven't visited the city because, of course, they couldn't travel. So they read about the city and then we have to create illustrations for that city that you have never seen. And we can see, for example, uh, a Greek island roads uh, to appear like a medieval city, which was never the case. So we like to go back in time. I'm very much inspired from Walter Benjamin, of course, and how he had the same question, actually, how to represent this experience. So it's nice to go back in time. It's also nice to imagine things, to have fictional cities in your mind, like we see architects, how they imagine things. Uh, and I like this contrast. Now, um, Desired Landscapes uh, is in a way in disguise. 
because it's a magazine full of all of these big and strange ideas but which presents itself as a very simple little pocket-sized travel guide. Yes, I was uh, intrigued from these old city, from these old guidebooks uh, from the 60s and 70s they, that they just use uh, typography in the covers. And it's very um, uh, intriguing to see how through a typeface you can imagine a city and how, much, um, how many emotions you can get just from typography, scale, uh, way of printing. So I want to keep that simplicity and as you said inside you have these different voices and this diversity of imagery from uh, historical images like archival images to illustrations, uh, diagrams and maps, all these uh, different things. So design plays just a supportive role in this and the cover had to be something more extraordinary than the inside but through simplicity somehow. Uh, and so you went with a purple cover with uh, white text on it and you explained in your talk actually the complexity of creating that cover Yes, uh, you mean uh, in terms of tactility and printing, yes, it was a big problem <laughs> and I can reveal you now that also the second issue is going to use the same colored paper, this purple that I now hate of course. <laughs> um, why, do you, why do you hate it? Because I've seen it so many <laughs> months. <laughs> But it's a good choice because it's a paper which is durable. You cannot even see your, finger, your fingerprints on mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a nice base to keep this uh, consistency all over the years maybe. Mm -hmm. Remember the blue guides, the yes. blue city yeah, guides, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like this. Uh, but this is really difficult to, um, to sell in the magazine's world, that you need something new every time, something popping. But I think that if we will ask some issues, it will make a nice collection. So you can always go back to issue one and get it after two years, if it exists. So it's like a small collection of uh, journeys, mm -hmm. somehow. And yes, as you said about the tactility, it was very difficult to do it, because in Greece we have limited um, ways of printing. Uh, and people don't really like to discuss about these things and take time. <laughs> so I was on top of everything, always there until the last minute that I didn't want to do what I wanted. So I wanted to have white on the cover and just a few minutes before the printer said, oh, why don't you do this black? It will be nice because the white is not really well in this one. And I was like, I told you white months ago. <laughs> why didn't you do it? And still I, I need to fix this. I need to find better things to do on the cover. Oh, I think no, but I mean the, the, the finish that you ended up with has got like a really pleasing block white so that was like yes. what was it like a, a, a vinyl or something it was a double foil right. so i had to do it twice in order to seem white and reflective as it is yeah yes well so i, I think <laughs> that certainly works the other side of it in terms of like the physical thing that you hold in your hands is the binding which is really pleasing because again with like a small uh, like guidebook kind of uh, templates you can really easily end up with that thing where the pages are really pinched because yes. they're small pages and it's a big thick spine but you managed to get around that as well yes because i had these old city guides that i collect and you can see how perfectly they open and you're so jealous of that so i told that my printer he said well we don't have this technique anymore it's really old style so i told him you have to find an alternative on how to make it happen and always with this thick paper that we have because we wanted to have thick paper to look like a brick let's say something that you can build things with 
Um, so it was very difficult, but by having glue, uh, cold glue, we solved this problem and you can open it without cracking. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I like to say all the time before we make the magazine was that I want the magazine to have it on the beach with you and do not destroy it. So you can have water on it, you can open it, you can sunburn it, whatever because it will be your travel guide after all and friend. Exactly, exactly. Somehow. And I imagine it in Greece, that's, I mean, like, you know, in London, I don't have to worry about that too much, but I, you, you live by the beach. Uh, no, I don't live by the beach, but yes, we're closer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so actually, you know, I, I mentioned it flippantly, but you being in Greece, I think has a big influence on this project. So you, you, as I say, were in the Netherlands, you came back, was it 2012? 2013 actually but I started from 12 to thinking about it and, and so you came back and the, the financial crisis in Greece was very serious then you talked about feeling stalled in, in Greece the tell us a little bit about that process of coming back and what you found there yes uh, it's really difficult to express that but in Greece you have to work like three jobs or you have to do these extra things not only about working and getting more money but everything is more complex like you want to do something with the tax office and you have to go through all these different offices to make it for example uh, I am a designer and I want to have some working tours and they couldn't accept it they said you're a designer you cannot do it you have to be a city guide and you have to be official city guide uh, but now this is changing because uh, we have a lot of uh, bottom-up um, initiatives. So um, they have to change these um, infrastructures somehow. This is really slow, it is happening. But at the same time, when you have these kind of problems, it makes you think more uh, witty somehow. So you have to find crazy ways to make it work. So for now, for the tax office, I'm also a city guide, I'm also a publisher, a teacher, if you see all the codes that they have. This is uh, crazy, yes. Uh, and are you seeing, so I, I, like, I hear from London about this influx of people coming to Athens because it's cheaper there and they can get on and do their things. That uh, Are you seeing that on the ground there? Yes, these people are my best friends <laughs> because, uh, because imagine I'm in a city that I was born in this city so I know it by hand, I do the city walk so I know everything uh, and I'm bored after that, I cannot really see something else. So when these people come they carry this enthusiasm about this exotic place and they remind me why I love the city at the same time. So it's nice, they come, they work in the same spaces as we work because they adapt as locals. Um, they're very interested in our traditions, in our um, ways of working. So, as I mentioned, the contributor of ours was in LA for 10 years and he wanted to come back because he missed to have his lunch one hour under the sun, basic stuff that I think that they start to become very important in our lifestyle. We live in an age that we are under the hashtag hustle, so we have to do everything in the best quality, very fast, do not stay back. But then, what happens, what it matters after all, is to be happy. And are you happy if you work, I don't know, 15 hours a day? You know what I mean. Yeah, maybe not. And you also have this really interesting growing group of Greek independent publishers. So uh, there's you guys, of course, there's Ambrosia, uh, there's Fluffer, there's this group. Are, are you all in touch? You're working together? 
Uh, we are in touch, we don't work together, but it's very nice to have people who love the same thing as you love and you can have this kind of discussions about how they solve their problems. I remember having discussions with uh, Sotiris Trejas from uh, Fluffer uh, because I always admired him. He's literally a dreamer. This is his uh, name, actually. His, uh, how you call it? Fake name? Oh, okay, okay. His nickname. Nickname, yes. Uh, and I, I remember uh, meeting him in one place in Athens and I told him, how do you feel after having Fluffer? And he, he had a smile and said, this is my dream life. And I said, okay, I'm looking, I'm working on my magazine, but I cannot do this and that. So if, if I didn't have this discussion with Sotiris, maybe I would be stuck. So you need this kind of inspiration. And these initiatives that I mentioned before and you also mentioned now, is the one that keeps you alive in the city. And it's so nice to see independent magazine makers helping each other out and creating this little community to build something together. Yes, and we had this discussion about a, a Greek art book fair that ah, should happen. Nice. Yes, but nobody wants to do it because we don't have time. <laughs> so we just wait for somebody to do it. Okay. It well, nice. Or you need to go to the government and tell them that as well as being a publisher and a tour guide, you're now an art book fair holder. Yes, perfect. And they could shut the door to me. <laughs> like, okay, stop it. <laughs> All right, thank you again for coming over. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Natasa for taking the trip out to Munich to speak at Edge. I think it's really interesting that Athens has got so many small independent magazines based there now, made both by native Athenians and also foreigners who've been attracted to the opportunities in the city. We published our European Union of Independent Magazines on the Stack blog in March and Greece was our second country on the list because there are just so many magazines there that are worth reading. You can find that list of magazines on the Stack blog and there's also a video review of Desired Landscapes on there too. So search for that if you'd like to see more about this magazine in detail. Or if you'd like to hear more magazine makers speaking about the things they do, check out our archive on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts and if you follow us while you're there we'll be able to deliver our future episodes to you as soon as they're ready. Thanks very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.